Crisp, cold, agua fresca, goza ale with cucumber and lime. Supplied by local brewery, Camino Brewing Company. Ding. Ding. Send us money. That was my, my, uh, the ding was the the gleam off my teeth as I smile. Oh, um, that wasn't the money going into your bank account? No, 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 no. (laughs) No, I have three waters in front of me because I plan on (laughs) urinating very rapidly at the end of this. (laughs) three beers in front of me because <laughs> i also plan on urinating very rapidly at the end of this have you ever watched uh queer eye not the new ones i remember when it first came out the new one's very good i am a big big fan of it mm-hmm. um, not to go off on it too long but it's really good i think what they're doing is putting some positivity into the world which i really enjoy yeah but there's the reason i bring it up is the last episode that I watched of the new season that just came out, I think, yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the guys that they are doing the makeover for goes <laughs> to adopt a dog. And this dog apparently had been in the cage, not urinating for a while. Oh, okay. And the dog takes the longest piss <laughs> that you've ever seen. Like <laughs> they're standing there and they're the talking. Hours. And they're going, he's still pissing. <laughs> he's still going. <laughs> <laughs> and this dog is just like... <laughs> well, hey, man, good for that dog for having that, that kind of self-control. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that Latte is like that, too, unfortunately. He doesn't really ever tell me he has to go to the bathroom, so I just have to check in with him. And he's never gone in the house, not even... I mean, the only time he's ever peed was when I first got him. If I scared him too much, he would, you know, release yeah. the... Oh, I mean, release that, happens, that happens to me. Yeah, I know. I I try not to scare you very often. Yeah. Yeah, the one time we got on here and I said, boo, you pissed all over your keyboard, and then we couldn't record. It was bad. It was bad. It was, it was awful. We told everybody you were sick. but I had, to, I had to buy all new equipment. Most expensive piss of my life. Wouldn't it be nice to have that kind of expendable income where you're like, you know, uh, <laughs> this weird thing happened, and I just bought all new equipment. <laughs> I just feel like peeing on my stuff today. I'll get new ones. If it was me, I'd probably still be sitting here typing on a urine so keyboard. <laughs> Like, I can't afford a new computer. This one sucks, and I still need it. Like, actually, you know, one of these days, I probably should warn you and the audience, one of these days, I actually have to take this computer in to have the battery fixed. Mm-hmm. I don't know when I'm going to do that because it takes like three or four days. I never have three or four days where I'm not either recording or editing an episode. I feel like that's excessive, isn't it? Why well, they it send it out, so not really. Well, why why do they why can't you take it to the place where it is being sent out? There has to be some place nearby. I don't know. I feel like you're getting scammed. I feel like you're getting scammed. Well, I'm not paying for it, so I don't think I'm getting scammed at all. You're scammed out of your time, my friend. Scammed yeah. out of your time. So I, I don't know. We'll have to we'll have to figure out how we're going to make that happen. So that I can, because it's at the point right now, I leave it plugged in all the time as much as I can. But I've been working on this other project, and sitting in my chair. So I take the, not my desk chair, but my uh, recliner. Mm-hmm. I say, And so I take the laptop over there so that I can watch TV while I'm working on this project. 
And before, if I got to like, I think it was like 90, oh, sorry, uh, 20 or 30% battery, mm-hmm. um, the computer would just shut off because it would hit wherever the, whatever's wrong with the fucking battery is. Right. Now, at like 60%, it'll do it. So at a certain point, it's going to get to 100. (laughs) I think I need to. And I I went through this whole process. I think I'm not sure if I talked about this in an episode with Lamb when it happened. This was months and months ago. So if people listening have heard part of this story, sorry, it's going to be short anyways. But I had to go through this whole thing with Apple Care and and call them on the phone and talk to this girl and convince her that, you know, like, hey, this battery is bad. It's been bad since the day I got it. And... uh, and then she asked me, she's like, how many Apple devices do you own? And I said, well, let's see. I have the original iPad still. I have an iPad mini. I have the iPad Pro. I have an Apple Watch. I have the original Apple Watch. I have an iPhone. I have a MacBook Pro. I have a MacBook Air. I have a MacBook Mini from back in the day. She goes, uh, I have a HomePod. I have the Air airpods i have the apple pencil and she's like okay hold on that's enough that's enough that's enough she's like we're gonna do this for you (laughs) in other words yes you've spent enough with us and i can kind of understand that you know somebody just bought one device it's like tough titties you know like too bad yeah well at least you know at least they have that kind of decency and um appreciation for your patronage yeah something something like that so yeah i have to go get the battery fixed and it was like months and months ago like i think it was like three or four months ago and i just i haven't found a way in the schedule to well, i haven't put much effort into it well, so yeah, soon I mean, one day we're gonna have to record on a different day tom that's fine well actually you know what it might be lamb who has to do it because yeah well your episode comes out like literally i episode i have to edit your the episode with you mm-hmm. the day after so that it can come out. So there's not really any leeway. Lamb, I have like two days leeway. Right. Because right, we record right. on Thursday. Three days leeway, actually. We record on Thursdays. And But his episodes don't come out till Monday. So look, either way, I'm talking you. about this. Nobody gives a fuck right now. Look at you and your scheduling. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, okay, let's, 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 uh, let's jump into the questions. Actually, before we go into questions, I did notice something in listening to the last couple episodes. Mm. We forgot what the original purpose of the questions were. Did we? The the questions originally were supposed to be like short one or two sentence answers, and we've been going really long, <laughs> going in depth. Well, I've like some, a quarter of the episode. Yeah, I got some. I got some small two sentence things I've jotted down in some of the many notebooks I have in front of me that I can. Well, yeah, you don't have to. Yours, yours can go a little bit longer because it's a little boring if you only give them one or two sentences. I'm just saying I'm not going to give a really long, elaborate answer to yours okay well, because i could literally take up the whole episode with that answer if i really wanted to yeah it's a, it's a dense answer and it's a i think it's actually morally complex i have problems with it um oh, let's well, let's get moral to complications first. huh yeah that's well, a good title moral complication moral that sounds complications. like uh, i also maybe that could be like a movie about some kind of sexual abuse trial too so <laughs> i need to write that down moral complications Good band name. Um, yeah, man, I got to tell you, I'm sitting here. I was like going through like different notebooks I have over different spans of my my adolescence, and just like, oh god, it's that it's, warm feeling, huh? Because like you know, when you're 
in your you know mid teens and or late teens and you think you've like starting to get a handle on shit and you're just so like yeah i've I've really i've i've been awakened you know my mind and it's all of a sudden you like run into a at least for me like i ran into a block i was like what the fuck am i doing and i look back on it now (laughs) and i'm even more like me and my younger self have that thing of like yeah like what the fuck were we doing because it's like or what were we thinking? Like, what what kind of opinion did we have of ourselves? Or like, because like one of the things I found, I was literally calling myself out on it, just of saying to myself, "You think you're so fucking profound, but you're not." <laughs> you know, um, it's like what Kerouac said, along something along the lines to paraphrase it: "One day I'll find the right words, and they'll be simple." That's what you yeah. learn with age. <laughs> Well, when no, you're younger, is. you're like, I'm going to find the coolest way to say this. Yeah. And God, I wish I had it marked. But that's one thing that I did touch on. And one of the things that I found that I was writing was um, the kind of the acceptance of nothing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, simplicity. You know, like we've talked about it in the past on our um, in our discussions of going through, like things are a choice. Like the world and just existing is easy, is simple. You choose right. to make it harder. Right. Um, you know, it as you get older and as you grow and as you become more, you know, kind of, I guess, dejected and whatever else with day-to-day life and what's expected of you as you become an adult and a uh, piece of society, um, you kind of just lose that that blankness of yeah i'm just a thing i'm just here i'm just existing and the world's gonna turn no matter what if i you know if i pay my phone bill or if i do this or i do all these little kind of nonsensical um responsibilities that we have um so yeah like i mean none of the things i have are really like organized in true form but it's you know a young child can see and think more uh, let's see what, you know, I can't even read my handwriting from when I was 16. <laughs> a young child can see and think more clearly than any old man or old woman, for they are the masters of nothing, since nothing is expected of them. And I, th- I remember writing that thinking, as a kid, I mean, we, everybody always oh man, it's, I, I wish I could go back to when I was five, or when I was, you know, in elementary school, things were so much easier, because literally nothing is expected of you as a child. And if you sit and watch a baby, like I, you know, had the joy of spending time over the past few weeks, you know, my, um, one of my sisters has been around, she lives up in Oakland, but she's been around with my two nieces. She has a two year old daughter and a two and a half, three month old daughter and watching the, the newborn. It's just so like, yeah, no one expects a fucking thing out of you. She'll just <laughs> lay her on the couch and just, all right, you're not going to roll off. You're not going to fall. Okay. Just Clementine, just be you. Just lay there. You need something? I get a, like there's the, the only expectation is to be like a cute little baby, to be my baby. That's it. So I think I was stuck on this whole thing of, if you can maintain that nothingness, you know, I, I started to see it in 
reading more poetry and things uh, and song lyrics and um, kind of getting into the the mindset of or the um, headspace of artists that I was interested in. Um, you know, everything starts from nothing, and if you are able to grasp that and find the comfortability in nothing, and you know, I'm pretty sure that then, you know, I'm kind of touching on like, oh, meditation and just being quiet and finding quiet space. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, so it's cool to look back on my time as a, I'm trying to pinpoint a, a time frame as to when I was writing in this batch of this notebook. But uh, let's hear some more of it. Yeah, I'm trying to make sense of my own thought process and my, but watching myself now and translate it and see kind of, what was uh, what was I working through and what was I figuring out? And it really was me figuring out that if I can just be content with myself with no other influences and use that as my starting block and just know that, you know, I am, I'm trying to be something more than I am. I need to, not try to force it. I just need to be me. And that starts from just being in the surroundingness of nothing. It's like in that scene in the matrix where you just start in that white room. I was just trying to find myself and my mind in that white room of just, mm-hmm. okay, this is, this is the starting point. This is the nothing. And then from the nothing. Tabla raza or raza. You can clear only, slate. Yeah, yeah. You can only go, you know, I mean, one of the first things where was it? A blank sheet of paper is so inviting. I get the uncontrollable urge to put something purposeful and meaningful on it. Like a new jar of peanut butter or ice cream, I get the joy of disturbing the smooth perfection. And I kind of touch on that every single day in my life. Every morning I wake up, I'm like, what kind of sweet perfection am I going to disturb today? Is it going to be a... What nest am I going to kick? Yeah, but it's like... It's not... I mean, obviously, looking through all these notebooks, it's not always going to be... you know, noteworthy or, you know, stuff that you are proud of, but it's going to be some type of creation. Um, Most of the stuff in my notebooks is embarrassing. Yeah, no, I mean, it's burned. Yeah, it's, it's, and I mean, beyond bad writing, embarrassing. I mean, like, um, (laughs) emotionally tumultuous. (laughs) Oh, trust me. A majority of the things I'm finding are like, you know, you're, stereotypical unrequited love it hurts so bad i love you i'm out in the rain i don't even know what love means but i have a stereo literally i have a page where is it it's somewhere right here and i literally wrote the word love probably 50 as many times as i could fit onto this small sheet i just wrote it in like tight spacing like uniform letters i was just like i must have I, i don't even know what i was feeling or thinking at this time but you know i, I see that age teenager is very strange and i don't think that most people really understand why it's so strange they'll say it's your hormones but it's not only your hormones you've got hormones happening but then you also have this awakening of an identity yeah um you know i wouldn't say intellect because some people never really foster a more mature intellect. I'm trying to be nice. Mm-hmm. Some people just stay kind of frat boys. Right. Which is fine. Whatever. It's their choice. But at the same time, they're still developing an identity. So you have this identity, you have these hormones, then you have the first time, you know, these responsibilities, all this stuff kind of dumps on you all at the same time. 
And you, of all the things that they send us to school to teach us, dealing with emotions is not one of them. What Never the once. Hell? Never once. Well, because I mean, psychology should be like, not a class, it should be like a requirement to go to like a psychiatrist when you're in school. Maybe that would maybe that would make a difference on school shootings. I don't know. Maybe that's just a crazy idea to take care of people mentally. I, I mean, know. like, it's almost like as if you, uh, what's her name in Lethal Weapon? The psychiatrist that's always running into rigs, you know? And he's Renee Zellweger? No, no, not no. Renee Zellweger. No, no. Uh, what's her name? It is Renee something, right? Well, uh, you're thinking of who ends up being his love interest later on. I'm thinking oh, yes. of... Um, Let's see. It's something, something. Go something, to something, lady, lady. It's woman, Renee woman. something or other. <laughs> Renee, what's her name? Uh, um, what, what, let's not worry about her. What are you going to say about the other girl, though, the psychiatrist he keeps running into? Well, no, I was just saying that's kind of the premise. Like, if you imagine having that in an elementary school setting where you just mm. have this kind of stressed out, uh, psychology that keeps running into like the same um, troubled child. Oh, like in the first one when he's yeah when he's verifiably nuts exactly. and they're yeah. they're pretty sure he's going to eat his gut. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Uh, it was Renee Russo. Yes, that was her. Not playing the part you're talking about. No, like you said. it's playing the love interest in number three, I think. Welcome to We Barely Remember Lethal Weapon. Have you watched the TV show? I have not watched the TV show. No, I... Because it's, it's in like its second or third iteration, isn't it? Like there was an actor change, I think. Uh, I think Damon Wayans quit. I'm not sure. Mm. That was the reason I... The only reason I wanted to watch it, not because it was a Lethal Weapon show. Right. But I, when I heard Damon Wayans, that guy is one of the most underrated, funny people in the world. Well, yeah, I mean, it's just so... Until, I mean, it's one of those things where you don't realize who's behind all of these different things that you love and these mm-hmm. like memorable um, comedy creations. And him and like the Wayans crew are massive heavy hitters in that um, in that world, and a hundred percent underrated. Well, what's weird about the... I didn't realize it till right now that we're talking about this. I don't really want to talk about Lethal Weapon TV show that neither of us have watched for very long. But right. <laughs> what's weird about it is Damon Wayans is in it. But do you remember the... What was it called? The Last Boy Scout? The one with Bruce Willis and Damon Wayans? Which no. was basically a Lethal Weapon ripoff. Really? So that's kind of weird. That's kind the of weird. Last Boy Scout... Yeah, I think that's what it was called. Per t-shirt. But yeah, Damon Wayans, love him. Oh, yeah. I remember seeing that. Um, the I'm looking at the like cover or whatever the photo would be for the VHS tape. Um, I remember seeing that on the, on the shelves of my local video store. Yeah, it's basically a, hey, that Lethal Weapon movie was pretty successful from another studio, probably. Mm. How can we get on some of that action? Let's I, read. I, Let's read real quick. Just a little brief uh, um, uh, description of you know the synopsis. Once a first-rate Secret Service agent, Joe Hallenbeck, Bruce Willis, is now a gruff private investigator whose latest a terrible gig, name. I know, Joe Hallenbeck. Hmm. Uh, latest gig, whose latest gig is protecting a pole dancer. 
pole dancer, Halle Berry. When, mm. she, when she's murdered. I didn't remember that. Well, she got murdered, so she wasn't in very long. Mm. He grudgingly teams up with her boyfriend, Jimmy Dix, Damon Wayans, an ex-quarterback. Hollenbeck and Dix. Hollenbeck and Dix. With a gambling problem, and the two go after her killers. Before long, they stumble onto a plot of by a well-known football, uh, Noble Willing. I don't remember Noble Willingham. That's the actor's name. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, to bribe federal legislators into legalizing sports gambling. Oh. oh, that's right. It had something to do with football. I remember the football. Huh. Sign of the times, I guess. That just totally reminded me of. Uh, I watched the first episode of... Yes, we're on a tangent, everybody. Whatever. Um, I watched the first episode of the new rebooted, or I, I don't call it rebooted, revived. Mm-hmm. To me, a reboot is like when you start the show from the beginning with different actors. Yeah, like I, they've been doing with Superman and Batman forever. Yeah, yeah. And But a revival to me is when the same actors come back and it's a continuation of the story. Right. So watching the first episode of the revival of Veronica Mars... And there's a part where there's a character whose name is Dick Casablancas, and he has this organization, and the organization acronym is NUTS. And somebody says something like, Dick in his NUTS. (laughs) I'm like, okay, that's good writing right there. Thank you for that. Anyhow. That's what you need on TV. Dick and NUTS? Yep. That's a a premium channel. Yep. Uh, my, my question, my question was, so what do I think that the storm area 51 type of thing will become more common in a more realistic way? The idea of people, um, not necessarily protesting, but like, what would you call that? I mean, it's not really protesting because they're actually encroaching upon the property. Right. Um, it's uh it's kind of forcing the government's hand you know it's like trying to yeah call they were calling the bluff you know it's like you say this stuff isn't real we believe it's real we're going to call your bluff and see if you're telling us the truth or not but it's also you know the whole um kind of uh the founding fathers whole idea it's like you know standing up against you know tyrannical government yeah like, if you feel like you're you're um it's it's a messy issue. No, it is because I'm, what I started thinking about too is like first thing I asked myself, I said, "Is is it feasible? You know, like if you're in the place of these people, what's going to happen? If you're in the place of the uh, on the other side, what would you do? If you know a million people aren't going to show up, most of the people just signed up to be on there, but we'll say one tenth of those people show up. That's mm-hmm. hundred thousand people. Yeah, hundred thousand people. Uh, that's pretty hard to deal with." I doubt a hundred thousand people will show up yeah. because I don't know where they go. <laughs> I mean, it's a big desert and all that, but uh, there's not really a town to support that many people. But anyways, if that many people showed up, I'd, I was, I was thinking, I'm like, they're not going to shoot them, but they do have to stop them obviously because you ha- I mean, if you're on the other side, you know, you are the rule of law and people are encroaching upon a, you know, a place that they're not supposed to go. They're trespassing on government property. If you let that go, then you're kind of just like sending a message like, yeah, you, you win. Yeah. Come on, come wherever you want. Come into the White House, come into the Congress. So from their point of view, they're going to have to do something if it happens. And I was thinking, I'm like, they're not going to shoot them, but what the fuck are they going to do? And then I was listening to somebody talk about this. 
and they brought up that there's sound cannons. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God, they're going to make 100,000 people shit themselves. Yeah. And that that's, I mean. I mean, to then, start with. And then I started about thinking about tear gas and, and all of that kind of stuff, bean bags and all of that. I'm like, oh, that's ugly. Yeah. So do I think it will become more common and more feasible? I mean, not feasible. Um, in a more realistic manner, I guess is the way we've, we worded it. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's a possibility, but I doubt it. I doubt it because people are really working hard to give the image that they're mobilized right now. Yeah. But the polls don't seem to show that people are that mobilized. No, definitely not. So if you take that even a further step to do something harder than to drive down the street and punch a few things into a white, into a piece of paper, <laughs> then no, I don't think it it will. Yeah. And you don't have really a a unifying movement. Like, you know, you had a lot of the protests and stuff that happened in the 60s. Um, a lot of the reason that stuff was so successful was number one, because there was movement. You know, there was this this movement around it and everybody felt like they were part of something bigger. Well, you had leaders. And well, leaders, you know, I think, are not as important as the movement. I think... Well, no, lead- but I mean, like, in the in the movement, you you had you had leaders, you had figures that were helping to kind of you know, centralize and rally people together and organizers. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you, you know, you had like, for instance, like you had Martin Luther King, you had him, you know, having these, these profound speeches at these huge rallies and things. And that was a draw for people to come and see. And it was like, they felt like they were like, there was an actual glue keeping all of this together right. with his words and with his message and with his actions. Whereas right now you don't have that. You just have a shit ton of people just, pissed off just talking on the internet which literally means nothing well and and the thing too is you know your big two big movements of the 60s were the anti-war movement mm-hmm. which was your hippies basically mm-hmm. and then you had the civil rights movement those were your two big ones and the thing that was really beneficial for both of those is they kind of uh they weren't at odds with each other the yeah. hippies were totally down with the civil rights movement i don't know how much work they actually put towards it but they weren't working against it yeah. Um, what you have now is a lot of movements that are all working against each other. Yeah. You know, when people talk about free speech, they're on every every part along the political spectrum, and <laughs> they're really a lot of them only talking about free speech for themselves. Oh yeah, no, it's never a you know free speech. Everyone's just yeah, we need the the, the speech to be free, but only if, if people are saying what we want to hear and what we agree with and what agrees with you know what we're saying. Mm-hmm. So. Um, and what's what's dangerous too about this idea is it it doesn't need to be acknowledged. First of all, I totally do identify with this ideology. You know, like wanting to like we demand this. Mm-hmm. I believe that protest is important in mm-hmm. a civil society when it's necessary. I think that it's also dangerous. Yep. And you have to be aware of that as well. Um, it's dangerous because uh, it's really easy for it to become violent. And I think Thank right you. now we've we've completely lost touch with the whole nonviolence nonviolent protest movement. Yeah, nobody seems to be talking about Gandhi, which is pretty scary because, as far as protest goes, number one, one of the most successful protesters of all time, mm-hmm. and a uh, just the the movement towards nonviolence it changes things in a way that's fundamental to. It, it empowers protests in a way that nothing else will. 
And then it's also dangerous because say this thing actually happens. And so you're also sending the message that, you know, all of these groups that are terrifying out there, there are some terrifying groups in America out there mm-hmm. that they can do something like this and be successful. Right. Or they could join in on that million, you know, um, million person roster that signed up to go and do this. Right. And, you know, integrate themselves into these these events if they do start to become more prevalent and uh yeah then you just have you know uh this amalgamation of it's just a mob at that point you know it's not for anything of the greater good it's just you know let's just create chaos and be anarchists and take what we want. And, or, you know, you know, how would you feel about Nazis storming, storming right. the government building and taking it over? Like, eh, not as cool as you think. It makes the whole Occupy idea sound really terrifying when you put it in those contexts. Yeah, you definitely lose sight of kind of those that came before that set the groundwork for what it is that you think that you're doing, but you're not. Because yes. the movements and all the things and the protests and the... um the changes that were made by, you know, the power of the people. No one is really at all functioning in the same um, format these days. Mm-hmm. They all think they all think they are. They all right. like to claim that they are, but they're not. And you also got to think of not only on those, you know, people's side, but the other side that you're protesting, rebelling against that side has has enhanced and kind of grown in power exponentially in comparison to what it was in the 60s and everything you know i mean you if you honestly think that you're going to storm into if you try to do a naruto run into the white house you'd get shot mhm if you and you think that going to a experimental military base and I can tell you, I've, I have, I've known people, I've had friends and everybody that were in, you know, military of many different levels. And I can tell you, there's going to be a good amount of motherfuckers inside that base that'll be more than happy to just fucking lay waste to a good number of people running at them. Be like, well, this is my duty. And it's, mm-hmm. it's posted. We make it very clear. If you try to enter, if, cause you, you watch any of the videos of people that go to, um, area 51 and are like, let's see how close we can get. And there's like, you know, the white pickup truck, you know, that's yeah, on the hill and all those. <laughs> there are signs everywhere. If you, if you come through here, there, you know, it's, don't think that this is, you know, a, a mall cop at the local fucking strip mall. This is, we will shoot you. Like, there's no law, you know, the law here is the epitome of what the government has said is law. And you're, there's no one you can go to at that point to try to protest and complain of the actions taken against you. You know, if you go to my old work downtown and one of the security guards, you know, kind of goes a little over the top and is a little bit overly rough with you or whatever it is, like you could you can make an argument because there's another step above and another step above that and another step above that to try to like 
get recompense and be like, hey, hold these guys accountable. I was treated unfairly and this is not how... No, you're at Area 51. You're at the fucking the heart of the government of the like they have things in there if you think they just have guns and bullets no more than sound cannons they've got everything that you ever see cloaking devices all they've kinds got, of shit. yeah they've got everything that's crazy in there and this, not, the not to say that they've, that they've succeeded with any of those things but they're working on it right and you think that like it's just uh it's just some sheds out in the desert and you know Mm-hmm. It's whatever you've seen in the movies, where you just have like some some dopey dudes and scientists and lab coats running around, and a few uh, you know kind of decently equipped um, you know marines. It's not fucking transformers where you have like five or six you know the the outcast. Uh, what's the dude's name? Ty, 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 Tyson Tyson Beckford. Mm. Yeah, Tyson Tyson Beckford and the guy from Vegas. Um, no, you've got like just dudes that are machines that just want to hold up and you know be military badasses because that's what they've been trained to do. And, well, and to be fair, like governments, as far as like military stuff, we don't like the idea of secrets, but there do need to be some. Why do there need to be some? Because there are jackasses in this country <laughs> that if you could go into a military base and look at what we were developing, we'll go, oh, I could sell this to yeah. North Korea. Exactly. And it's the same kind of shit if North Korea... I guarantee you, there's probably one or two people that signed up for that whole we're going to storm Area 51 that think if it actually does happen, hey, I'm going to go in there and see some shit and I'm going to go over to fucking Russia or fucking Iran or fucking Afghanistan or fucking this and that and I'm going to fucking find somebody that wants to know this shit and I'm going to fucking sell it and I'm going to, you know, because... Well, guaranteed there are even non-Americans that have signed up for that. That's what I mean. Like sleepers. Yeah. Not like, uh, you know, that they're going to bomb a building type of sleepers, but sleepers who just collect stuff from our society. And I guarantee you, you know, a lot of it just comes from this this fact that our society and like our pop culture has made those kinds of things no longer something that you're a hundred percent scared of. Right. Because it's become entertainment. Yeah. So I personally think that the talk of these kinds of, uh, you know, storm the gates, um, they can't kill us all. Uh, we are the people that kind of talk and that kind of mentality. It's, it's on a razor's edge right now of falling one way or the other and kind of going off of if people do show up and do attempt the area 51 thing, I think that'll show whether or not it's teetering or falling on the, the direction of having the, uh, kind of a, a repeating um, scenario. I think it's definitely the wrong administration to test out whether they want to become totalitarian. Yeah. I mean, or I, just, not. I just saw, I mean, I was, I was sitting there eating my lunch day and I looked up and there was a, you know, TV going with subtitles on and all I see, it's like CNN or something like that. And it's like, you know, the president has said uh, that was it. We're in the perfect position right now or something like that to handle if things with Iran go south, you know, it's like hmm. we're fully equipped to handle if shit goes bad with this Iran situation. 
I wish I, like, if I can, if I can remember, I'll put this in the show notes. I think it might've been Sam Harris. Somebody was talking to a journalist who was like an expert on Iran. This was like a month ago or something mm. before kind of all of this stuff even came to light um, the way it has recently. But he was talking about how people, how ignorant people are of Iran. Yeah. <laughs> and there's like, oh, well, you, he's, I think he said something along the lines. I'm, it's been a while, so I only listened to it once. So I may not get this 100% accurate, but he said that in order to fight Iran, it would take a million U.S. troops. Hmm. That it's that big of a kind of war. Okay. So that's, that's obviously haven't verified it myself. Just want to throw it out there. Okay. Let's move past questions. Yeah. Uh, oh, you know something I wanted, I wanted to use, you mentioned something that has been a bug in my head for a while. And I've, part of me, I thought I was going to like write an article on this or something, but something I do, I'll just do it right here on the show. You mentioned the word amalgamation. Yeah. It it drives me nuts because I've never understood. I'm like, what is the difference between an amalgam and an amalgamation? And which is the right word? And so I, I I looked it up and I read definitions and I still didn't fucking understand it. So I looked at <laughs> other definitions and it took me literally, it took me, this was about six months ago. It took me about two hours of going to like word nerd things to find somebody explain it in a way that made sense. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to put this out there for people so that we can all start using the right word in the right case, because I know I do it wrong all the time too. Okay. Um, amalgamation is an action, right? Amalgam is the outcome. Amalgamation creates an amalgam. So when you say something is mixed with something, that's an amalgam, not an amalgamation. It is made through the process of amalgamation, right? The amalgamation is the process. Yeah, you're right. So the, the to put it more clear for people that uh, that sounded confusing, it's hard because you use the same words and over again, over and over again. An amalgamation is the process of mixing a cake. The amalgam is the cake. Yeah. I was going to write that in like an article or something, but it's really boring to write about. So <laughs> you guys get a little because it only takes like two sentences. Little word nerd segment here. I, there's all these little words that I wish I could you know that I hear that I know are being used wrong or I wonder which, which is right. And as I find those things, I should start writing them down. There's, you know, like one of my favorites, this isn't like a correction thing, but there are people who say carterize, you know, to like when you burn a yeah. cut, yeah. carterize with an R. There's no R in that word. The word is cauterize. Cauterize, yeah. And so that one cracks me up. I hear carterize, I'm like, no, nah, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, that's just like <laughs> Who's carter? Yeah. People putting S's on things that don't need to be there. And like Barnes and Nobles? Or a keys. Uh-huh. Or Lucky's. Nobody knows what the hell we're talking about with the keys, but there's a local restaurant called a key. A key. As in here. Yeah. <laughs> Not here's. That's it. <laughs> Every time someone says a keys, I want to smack them. There's also a road here called El Camino Royal, which means the Royal Road. But lots of white people here like to call it the El Camino, which means the the Royal Road. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, uh, I think that's the influence that you get with like the California, like the Southern California culture, where it's like you're gonna take the the one hundred and one to the five to the mm-hmm. to the, the eight. Why do they always the, does? This is one hundred and one to five because, bro, because I got to go down to PB and OC and the OB and the DD and the beach and the, the, the C, boo, the, C, the OC. 
Go down to the boo. That's what they call Malibu, the boo. Never, ever heard that. And I swear to God, I almost threw up the mouth when he said that. When I, it's, it's so bougie. <laughs> how good is that? Um, I went down there to LA. Fuck, I don't remember how many years ago. Hung out with my friend, Roxanne, and all of her punk rock metal, metal friends. And <laughs> her and her boyfriend at the time and I, decided we we're going to go hang out on the beach and just kind of drink for the day. So we decided we'll drive up to PCH. We drove past this beach and we're just driving up looking at it. And they're telling me about the boo. I don't know mm-hmm. any of this shit. Right. Mm-hmm. They're like, so this is, um, and they did the air quotes, the boo. I'm like, what the hell is the boo? They're like Malibu. And, uh, why did you just say that? <laughs> so this was, this was a while ago, like I said, but at the time, Priuses were kind of the shit. Right. And I swear to God, if if you were hunting Prius and you wanted to find out where the eggs hatch, <laughs> it's in the boo, or at least at that time, because we, I think every fourth car was was a Prius, and almost all of them had something on their license plate that worked in the word boo. It'd be like boo boo, or somebody else was like ha boo, you know, whatever, you know, like these personalized plates, but they all had boo mixed in. And I just remember thinking, I'm like, wow. Hmm. So this this is this is the Hollywood this is where Hollywood money goes. To the boo. Apparently. Yeah, I've been I'm trying to think. Last time I went down to Malibu was I had a friend that was uh going to school, Pepperdine. So he lived just right there. Um I don't think I came in contact with anybody that called it the boo. Because we were probably hanging out with normal people. Yeah, I try to. I try these my are best. Like, these are like the the yuppies of the yuppies, mm. from what I was explained to me. I didn't obviously meet any of these people. Right. Did you Did you go up to PCH? Did you see all those houses, those expensive houses? Yeah, he lived not like just kind of off on, like you could see the Pacific Coast Highway for anyone that doesn't know what Chad is referring to when he says PCH because he's yes. doing exactly the thing that we're complaining about um, you could see it from his house that's right over half our listeners are in California so they don't know fine. what the PCH is <laughs> shame on yeah. Yeah, shame on you um, it's one of the most beautiful strips of highway in the United States because it's literally just right along the ocean there uh, the reason I bring up those houses though is these are like the most expensive houses and they're all literally built on a cliff Yeah, and they all look like they're hanging there waiting for a fart to blow them away. <laughs> they're just, yes. it's such a strange situation <laughs> where it's like, I'm, I have all of this money. I'm going to build a house that might fall. The most precarious situation ever for a home is what I'm going, is this safe? I don't know. We'll find out. I can afford it. I'd be building a bunker, <laughs> not a house on a cliff. I'm like my house will be here no matter what happens. Well, people like that believe, like you know that they're they can entitled, buy more. Yeah, well, the entitlement of some people in the you know like the worst case scenarios. I'm not generalizing and saying everybody. I'm saying the worst case oh, scenarios, the stereotypes. And um, to be honest, it's beautiful to live on a cliff. I'm, I won't lie. No, absolutely. I, I just don't like heights. But it was enjoying or enjoyable to watch um, when a lot of those houses like started to crumble and fall, mm-hmm. and they had like their people were forced. It's like 
the same thing that happens in people in Tornado Alley. It's like, the fuck did you think was going to happen? It's like the uh, Sam Kinison joke about people starving in Ethiopia. He's like, you know what this is? Sand. <laughs> Not this will be in a thousand years. Sand. It's yeah. It's what did you think was going to happen? You're Fucking living, move. You built your house on a cliff. What happens on cliffs? People jump off of them. People fall off of them, and they shear away with time. Where do you think a cliff came from? It either came from ge- uh, geological. Uh, you know, pressure and movement, or it came from erosion. So, oh, you're you're upset and shocked that the ocean is wearing away at the thing that it's at the base of. Fuck off! <laughs> Get the fuck out of here with your bullshit. Ignorance can't stand it. All right, let's go on to our topic of the day. I your guess new the pineapple underpants. Mm, those are nice. Those are nice. Yes. Um, did you buy a pair yet, by the way? I have not bought a pair yet. Um, I think those were a limited deal. I'm not positive. Yeah, the pineapple ones I can live without. But Yeah, they went on your list. I, was, I wasn't sure what pair I was going to get, but they usually, when you sign up for the service, they pick a pair for you, and then you can go yeah. in and change it if well, you don't see, like I'm, it. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Like, if once I get around to it and I start getting, start getting my chonies in the mail... Um, I won't care what they send me. They can fucking send me girls underpants. I don't care. It's free. And they're comfy. It's free. Well, I mean, not free, but you know what I mean. It's like... It's, well, are you it's getting like, it free? I'm not. No, I, I, what I mean is like it's... Uh, <laughs> it's free of me having to go through the action of going down to a store. and all. It's like it's, you know, it's... Uh, it's uh, Easy. It's, right. It's Easy um, button. Convenient. God, my brain is like a fucking. You know when you were a kid and your fucking bicycle chain came off your bike and you're like trying to pedal and it was kind of halfway on there and you're trying to put it back and it's like, Ugh, but it's kind of rusty and kind of dry. That's what my brain is right now. Mm, so sexy. there's a word I'm trying to think of. It's convenient. I said that word. Yeah, the convenience. It it, it got its way in there. It penetrated. Dun, yeah. dun. Okay. Topic today I wanted to talk about. So I had this weird, I don't know, sometimes a lot of these when these topics I thought were going to come out of books and stuff, but right, lately they've been coming out of walks when I'm walking and I'll, I'll start stewing on something and then I'll really realize like 20 minutes into the walk, I'm like, oh, I've been thinking about that idea for a while. And I'm still trying to train myself to write this shit down when I'm walking so that I don't forget. Mm-hmm. But one that was particularly on my mind the other day, was this idea of permission. Um, and I've been trying to figure out all day how I was going to explain this. Permission as in the sense of the permission to do things in in this show, I would say, in a creative context. But I think that the idea can obviously be expanded to anything in our lives. I don't want to go that broad with it because then it's a very strange topic because we can bounce through anything in the world. So I'm going to try to constrain it to creating things. There are times that I've caught myself, even still today, using permission or the idea of permission to do something from other people as kind of a way to avoid ownership and responsibility in in the sense that like uh like okay the, the we'll use this podcast as a great example yeah in reality 
So it's you, me, and Lamb. But in reality, this is my podcast. Yeah. In the sense, I, I, I'm the one that made the website. I do all the editing. I do the recording. And I'm the one that asked <laughs> you guys to right. join me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and for the audience, I'm not saying this as a dominance thing. I'm just saying it so you understand what I'm about to explain. I can easily convince myself that it is not my podcast. And by doing that, I can offshoot my responsibility. So there are things that might need to be done. And I can avoid doing them by saying, well, I have to wait until I talk to Lamb and Tom about that. Mm. When in, in reality, I don't. In reality, I can do whatever I want. I, obviously, there are things I would do as a courtesy to you guys. I'm not saying I would be a jerk. But there are things that you guys probably don't care about that you wouldn't even want to know that I was contemplating about. But I will use that as a way to avoid doing them. Am I making sense? Yes. So that's, that's what I've been thinking about. Like this idea of if, why do we wait for my original question to myself was why do we wait for permission? And it's because we don't want the responsibility and the ownership hundred percent on us. So I can um, like, for example, if something needs to be posted to the Instagram, mm -hmm. I can easily go, well, Tom's the one that said it. So Tom can be the one to post it mm. and then wait for it to happen. Or I could just fucking post it. Yeah. Right. You know, and, and so by doing that, what I also, when I went deeper with it, I said, what also gets really bad, like a situation like, like this podcast, what could get really bad is if I sat and waited for those things to happen, then I could easily manufacture resentment. Yes. hundred percent. Because I'm expecting people to take ownership of something that's not actually their responsibility. And then because it doesn't happen, I could go, well, fuck them. Yeah. And then I get to do that because now, now that I get to get mad and I get upset, I can avoid the responsibility even longer. I see that, that that's not something that only, I mean, I have more experience with that in, you know, relationships with people hmm. because that to me is the age old um, kind of a fodder for resentment between, you know, people in a relationship one way or the other, where it's like you have all these things going on in your head and these thoughts and these feelings and these observations, but you never bring it up and you never vocalize it. You never verbalize it. You never bring it up to the person that it is that you're having all this stuff towards you know, that you're in the relationship with, whether it be a romantic relationship or a friendship or whatever mm -hmm. it is. So if you're, if you, for like instance, like if say you're watching a movie, right? In the opening scene, you're watching a person dealing with another person and they're going through all of these like, you know, troubles and, oh, you didn't do this and you haven't done this for me or you're, uh, you know, accounting your, yeah your your actions are hurting me because of this and blah, 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 all this stuff and you're like oh wow that's just a really and then it cuts to you know transitions to another scene and it just you know leads you to now understand that all of that stuff was happening inside one person's mind mm -hmm. and it's not usually yeah i wonder so the, the permission comes from what that is like the person feels that they've now been given the permission to 
feel that way and act that way because they've convinced their mind that they're justified because so-and-so was supposed to, you know, you know, because oh, like yeah. you were saying with the whole like, oh, if, like Tom will, yeah, Tom will post something. It's like, all right, well, ha- did you and I talk about that? Right. No, we didn't. Okay. So right now in that position and that, or in that situation, the position I'm in is I am unaware of this whole thing entirely. You being the one that created the thought and the, Hey, what he said would go well as a post with this connected to that, but he did it. So he needs to do it. Okay. One thing is missing from that is the other person aware that it's something that could be posted because the other person might not be thinking about it. Right. The other person is another person has their own things going on. So without that communication, without that honesty, the openness and the ability to just say things and bring it up, you know, I, I don't know where the whole thing came from where most people think like, you know, Oh, well you should just know like, yeah, that's, that's stupid. You know, people have been, you know, saying that and using that as their fucking just like almost like a religion for so many years. And well, it's, the, it's an, like I, the thing I said, it's a way to avoid ownership and responsibility. Right. And why is that, that stuff on other right. people? Right. So it's, it's for whatever reason, not wanting to kind of, you know, have the strength of responsibility on your own because yeah, okay. Things might go wrong. But if things go wrong, some people don't want to ever feel like they were uh, a part of the side that was in the wrong. Right. What's funny, the two like things that you just brought up there are really interesting because I've been reading, just beginning to read this book called Extreme Ownership. Mm-hmm. And it's by two guys that used to be Navy SEALs, mm-hmm. Jocko Willink and uh, Leif Babin. Jocko for sure has been on Rogan, Tim Ferriss, pretty much all of those type of shows. Leaf might've been as well. But one of the things that they talk about in there, first of all, extreme ownership is at its core. Like one of the things he said, like being a seal, I should say, they say one of the things they say, like being a seal leader, when something goes wrong, it's your fault. Yeah. If you're the leader, even if, you know, that guy didn't communicate this, you know, they have some examples of stuff that go wrong that went wrong for them in Ramadi. You know, it could be that guy didn't send the report and this guy didn't do this and this guy didn't do that. But when it comes down to it, it's on him because he's the leader of that unit. Yeah. 100%. And so one of the examples that so funny because I actually didn't have this on the notes about this book to bring in, but you talked right into it was there was an example of a, I think it was a sales organization of some sort. And there was a manager and then underneath the managers were the sales managers. And then underneath that were the salespeople. And the company had just instituted a change to the sales uh, pay structure. Basically, paying less to the lower performers. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can't remember if it was Jocko or Leaf. One of the two of them was, at, at the time, uh, a consultant at this company. And so this is going through and he's in the meeting with the sales managers and they're all complaining about this new thing. You know, it's 
it's going to scare away people and they're going to leave us and they're going to go to other companies and, you know, it's awful. And how are we going to explain this to them and all this? And he says, well, have you guys explained this to your boss? I think it wasn't a manager. I think it was a CEO. Mm-hmm. Have you explained this to the CEO? Uh, no. And they, it was kind of apparent that they were all afraid to. And so he went and talked to the CEO and told her, you know, like, I've been, you know, you're doing this pay structure thing and you, you, you know, your, your people have problems with it. And she's like, what? He's, or they don't, they don't get it. You know, she's like, what? It's really basic. And she explains it to him. He's like, no, no, no. They get that, but they don't understand why. And so she like tells him why she's like, well, you know, like by taking that structure, she's like, I've done this many times before at other places. She's like, by taking out the lower performers who we don't want anyways, because they're low performers and, and cutting that pay structure out, we can lower the price of the actual thing that we're selling mm-hmm. and then it'll bring in more sales and everybody will make more money. And he's like, well, they don't know that. And she's like, well, they should get that. She's like, and he's and exactly like what you said. Why should they know that? Yeah. Like, why? Wh- how How would they know that? So like she, over the whole point of, or the whole process of how information gets from one point to the other. So she gets it like pretty quick and she's like, okay. So she calls a meeting and she goes in and she gives a presentation. She's like, here's why I'm doing this. And then obviously it clicks for all of them. They go, oh, okay. Yeah. And now they can, you know, do it. So then afterwards she leaves and he stays with the sales managers and he says, okay, you know, like, what do you guys have to learn from this situation? And then like, well, we get it now. He's like, yeah, but why didn't you get it before? Right. I was like, well, she didn't tell us. He's like, but how the fuck would she know that you don't get it if you don't go tell her you don't get it? Exactly, because both sides are kind of just like making the assumption. The upper is think, uh, making the assumption, hey, these are adequately intelli- you know, or equipped adults that have intelligence of some, you know, they're able to leave the house with their shoes tied and their pants on. So I assume... But you made it here safely, and there's not a trail of wreckage and fire behind you. That you have at least IQ of you know the more than the wall that you're you know standing against. So you're in the position you are because you've reached this uh, this position by doing this, that, and the other thing. You should be able to have what the person in charge deems as the necessary um, mental capabilities and the experiences and the talents that she or he or they in this story you're saying she believes is necessary for those in that position. So Mm -hmm. she believes all she's got to do is just say that, hey, you know, I got it because this is how it was explained to me. So you should be able to get it because of you should be on the, at least the same level of understanding that I have. Those on the other end, are like, well, I don't, uh, they, I, I, uh, I don't know more. It's like they're just scared. I guess at that point, they're they're like, well, well I don't. They're kind of doing the same thing. They're in both cases, they're passing on ownership. Right, they're passing no, the, the buck. This this chore, this understanding, this whatever, this this isn't mine. This is theirs. Right. 
So now okay. I don't have to I don't have to worry about it because if the, when it goes wrong, I can say, hey, you never told me. And right, exactly. literally, people are literally creating logic traps. Dude, I say that all the time. You know, it's good it's so that you can say like, uh, you didn't tell me. You know, like I had an example. I had a client once who did this assumptive thing. He's a salesman. And he wanted me to send emails for him. I said, and this was a first time client. Mm-hmm. Never didn't know this guy at all. <laughs> no shit, right? So he sends me like all his account information or whatever. And then he's like, okay, send an email about this product and this product. Boom. And that's it. And I'm like, uh, huh? <laughs> you know, like, well, what do you want it to look like? I need yeah. to, you know, I need to know, like, what do you want it to look like? What do you want it to say? Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you want to say about the products? You know, like there's hundreds of questions and it was just like, oh, just send it. Like, no, I, I can't just say, you want me to just send a white sheet email that says product one, product two, send? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because that's all the information you've given me. Dude, I just dealt with this shit. Like I deal with that all the time, but I literally just dealing with this yesterday at work. But continue if you have more going on. Well, I I just you know, obviously I in that situation it's very obvious I can't do anything. So yeah. I could have if we want to take this idea of what you're talking about, I could have just sat there for a couple of days and done nothing and say, like, Oh, you never clarified. But that's stupid. You know, in that yeah. case, because it's very obvious. I have to I have to ask those questions immediately. Mm-hmm. But that logic is no different than these other cases where it's like, if you don't have the information you need to do the thing that you need to do, then who cares whose responsibility is because the task or the goal is your responsibility. And yeah. if the goal is your responsibility, then all the stuff that you need to get it done should be your responsibility because you want to achieve the task or the goal. Right. You know, like taking it back to the podcast thing, you know, like if I was, you know, like there's something I wanted you guys to do, like I could ask you Mm -hmm. or I, you know, like there's other things like this, like bringing questions into the podcast. I could easily be like, okay, guys, here's how it's going to be from now on. You got to bring in a topic and then I'm going to bring in a topic and then we're going to talk about, like give you guys homework. Yeah. But I'm like, oh, I want topics to come in. I naturally am already thinking of them. I'll just bring mine in. Why? You know, like I'll take ownership of that part of the job. Why? Because I like that part. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with doing that, you know, because I'm not going to be resentful of that because I'd be resentful if I couldn't do it. Right. <laughs> like, wait, I don't get to pick a topic. Oh, do I? Well, and as we talked about, it's like, then we fall out of suit with what, you know, it's in the name. Like we kind of lose, yeah, lose that randomness. We kind of lose that like off the cuff, just kind of fly by the seat of your pants. Like let it happen and let it be organic. You know, yeah. Introducing a little bit of a point here and there, like you know, like we've just a spine, not a whole skeleton. You and I have both done it, where it's like you know we have things that we kind of like uh, either wrote down or had a list of like idea ideas and little topics or little points that we brought up. And then it went from there. And all of a sudden that, you know, helped form this point and that point and that part and this part. Um, yeah. When you get too structured on things, but it, it gets really weird. Well, then it just kind of goes back. Then it goes into like, well, is it's this a different show? Right. Is this what you were intending to do in the first place? Okay. Exactly. No, you've entirely now changed it. Okay. So why did you change it? Is that a change? And that I have a, done that to Lamb in the past. I'll be completely <laughs> honest. 
<laughs> but you know, this was also within our first year. Yeah. I did a lot of that because, well, I didn't do a lot of it. I did it twice. Yeah, did enough of it. Um, but there were major changes. And it was literally because we had been doing it for a year and there was like this idea of, you know, naivety in the sense like, oh, we should be doing better. Yeah. If we're not doing better, then that means maybe it must mean we're doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. So if we're doing something wrong, what's right? So then you start looking at like other things that are successful and you go, I like that. And I could see us doing that. Let's do that. And then that's what it, what happened with the first one where I'm like, you know, we talk about creativity a lot. Maybe we should just talk about that one thing. Just talk about creativity. And that, that was actually a really fun phase of the show. Mm-hmm. We just couldn't continue to do it because as anybody listens to this show, especially listens to the Lamb episodes, you know what Lamb's time is like. He doesn't have a lot of it. So expecting him to come in every episode with research done then it would be this resentment thing, right? Because yeah, I'd be coming in prepared and he'd be coming in unprepared, but trying to be polite and pretend like he did it. Because if he told me he didn't, then we wouldn't record at all, right? Yeah. So that wasn't a reasonable thing. Or, okay, so we, we had to move past that. And then so I ended up talking to this, um, to Nick Fountain, who's one of the producers of NPR's Planet Money. Mm-hmm. And he had all this advice to me. And at first I was like totally resistant. I'm like, that's not our show. Sometimes your first thought is your best thought. Mm-hmm. But he had all oh, this advice. Sorry, I said thought. I got to take a drink. And oh, yeah. I forgot about that. But he gave me all this advice. And at first, like I said, I was resistant to it. But then I sat on it and I started, I, I told myself, I'm like, well, maybe I'm being arrogant. Like this dude is successful. Like yeah. Planet Money is one of you know the top 100 podcasts in the world. Um, at the time, it was probably one of the top 20. What what makes me think that he doesn't know what he's talking about? It's apparent that he does know what he's talking about. Yeah. So then I tried to take his advice at heart, and then that was just a really weird phase. And then everything, any change that after that was just out of necessity. You know, like, oh, I can't do this anymore because I don't have a co-host or something like that. But I did do that so many times, and I think that is in a way is kind of different than what we're talking about in the sense, cause that's insecurity. And I mean, you could, if you pushed it, you could say that what we're talking about right now yeah. is an insecurity, but I think it's also more so an arrogance in in the idea of like, like we were saying, that's their job. I'm going to do mine. You know, like this arrogance, like I already know. And if you don't tell me, then it's tough shit on you, even though I'm going to pretend like I'm dumb and I don't know that you're supposed to have told me that, or I didn't know that I could ask you. But the truth is I do know that. Right. No, it's the responsibility falls on to you. If you're a responsible person, you know, if you're in a position to where you know that you can make that, that move and kind of, help nurture that situation into that um you know progress it to that point to where you know that it should end up and if you don't it's not going to reach it because no one else is kind of taking that extra you know percentage push then it is now 100% your responsibility or your fault if it goes wrong right but it's easy to pass the buck and the people that are able to quickly pass the buck um, and point blame and explain why shit went wrong are usually the ones that are responsible because 
how do you have all the that information to know why it went wrong immediately? Mm-hmm. You know, um, so I feel like it it's tough because I've I found myself in that position many times where you know someone comes to me. <clears throat> And it's like, okay, hey, so uh, you're up to speed on, you know, this, you know, with um, thing X, Y, and Z, and blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. And one of my biggest, like, things that just kind of, it's like a pet peeve of mine is like when someone's talking, starts talking to me um, in, like, the middle of, they're assuming they're, we're in the middle of a conversation that both of us are already aware of that has been going on for, like, months. And it's like, hey, first off, hi, how are you? <laughs> Two, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm not living inside of your head. Right. It's like, oh, what, you don't know? No, I don't know. Why would I know? Well, I talked to so-and-so. Okay, you talked to so-and-so. Am I so-and-so? No, but I figured they would. Okay, you figured. You assumed. Figured you assumed that person <laughs> was going to come to me. You didn't. Did you ever check in with me to see how we were progressing on this? No, I thought. Exactly. You thought. Hold on, I'm going to take a drink. I said thought. I do have a sideline to this before you finish. Okay. There's one time that I can think of that I actually used this to a positive advantage. <laughs> exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. But somebody who wanted to tell me is somebody who wanted to tell me about a drama, mm-hmm. a interpersonal drama. Right. That I did not probably did not want to know. And they said, well, you know why I had no idea what the fuck they were talking about, but I realized that situation. I said, yeah, I know. And then it allowed me to skip that whole fucking explanation of it. <laughs> so don't think that those can't be used in a positive no, it, way. No, yeah, that's actually a good point. That's a good point because without actually being, you know, thinking of it in that sense, I've used that as well. I, I that comes across all the time because I'm one of the I'm one of the people where if I come across somebody that I don't my brain holds on to things that are it that it deems kind of you know relevant and important to a certain uh to certain things within a certain parameter and if if i one if i don't like remember your name and we know each other kind of loosely and casually trust me anything that you bring up to me as far as like well you know what i'm talking about because you're referring to something like you're saying, where it was like something else that was going on between people that might be the, the, the related associate, you know, the, mm-hmm. the mutual friend or whatever it is. I, I'm not going to know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> I will for a hundred percent be like, uh-huh. Yep. No, I know. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. And it's, it's like, a I, beautiful thing to do. I recommend you, people do it just, more often. You avoid a 30 minute, like bullshit conversation because it happens for me, I guess over the last like three years it's happened the most in situations you know in very social situations with alcohol involved so the person that i'm talking mm-hmm. to is most likely drunk so i can already just kind of you know slip away I, I can just push that that conversation and push their 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 vision and their mind in the way that i want it to going away from me because it's like oh yeah oh no 100 look over that over there oh and, they're like, and then you walk like away the, and you're gone. the classic smile and nod yeah uh-huh. no but 100 um well where this where this whole thing of ownership gets really weird though is when we the reason i originally 
brought up the podcast thing is because it gets weird when you think about something that you have ownership of alone. You know, like a lot of what we've talked about so far, so far is like in, in ideas generally of you know, like business or relation with other people. Yeah. But there are ways to do this to yourself. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's not the right way to say it. So I'll go a little bit further. For example, if you are like me, a podcast creator, you can fake this ownership thing or a more permission thing in this case, permission onto your audience and use the audience as a way to stop you from doing something, you know, as to, as a way to be lazy. Like, well, you know, I really need to do this. I wonder what, oh, you know what? Maybe the audience isn't going to like that. You know, not even like bothering to ask the audience, but like, which I don't think you should do very often is ask your audience what they think you should do with your thing. People just want to tune into something. They don't want to. Once you start turning it over to tell me what to do, it's like, all right, well. Yeah, stop making. Yeah, I can can just (laughs) sit in my room and do what it is you're asking me to do. Like I can, I'm capable. It's like. Of course, there are going to be some people that would be like, oh, yeah, I would love to just sit there. And I mean, those are the people that play those games or it's like, you know, make they're the not decisions. always the best people to listen to either. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's like you're not as a creator, you know, imagine if every single fucking album and musician you've ever fucking heard was just like, all right, uh, I've learned how to master my musical craft and here we are or here i am all right ready to make some music all right everybody tell me what to do let's do a poll should i do a, a blues song yeah or you're just asking someone like because you see those there's those games they get they I, I see them pop up all the time on like either people have used them like the sims or whatever it is you know like that kind of stuff mm-hmm. where it's like choose does he go upstairs? Yes, he does. All right. He's upstairs now. What does he do now? Go back downstairs. Oh, okay. He goes back downstairs. Okay. Go outside. All right. Jump in the pool with your clothes on. Oh my God. He's so crazy. Jump in the pool. It's like, okay. This is just nonsense at this point. This is not, there's no real creation happening here. And uh, this is just somebody with their, this is boredom. Well, and, to, and to clarify, there's a big difference between your main project, your main goal, and stuff you do for fun. So, yeah. for example, you shouldn't be using polls to decide what your music sounds like. Mm-hmm. You should just have a feeling of the type of music you want to make and make that fucking music. And those that want to listen to it will listen to it. And But you can, every once in a while... On like, if, for example, you have a Patreon. You're like, hey, I'm gonna do a cover for you guys today, just for fun. What yeah. song should I cover? Okay. Very different circumstances. So I don't want people to get confused and think that we're not saying you can't do stuff like that. But you need to to create and to put things out. You have to be a leader, and the person you have to lead the most is yourself, mm-hmm. because there's nobody else there. <laughs> no, yeah, you and, can't rely on anybody else giving you the answers that you need. You have to find that stuff for yourself. You have to know who you are. And that kind of goes from ownership. And and that kind of goes back for me, 
that goes back to what I was saying earlier. And when I was kind of touching on the shit I was writing in my notebooks was the embracing of the nothing or embracing of just a, a safe place for your mind and your heart and your soul and all that to find that ownership to find that identity of who you are and what you are find the comfortability in it because where where else can you be and feel like you're in a safe enough space to do all of these things that are so vulnerable and that are so um involved and so um like kind of embarrassing or whatever you know you have to go through so much to find out really who you are and to feel comfortable and just because if you're in nothing with nothing but yourself and you're not comfortable with that then you need to figure out what it is that you don't accept or understand about yourself to be in yeah, that it's like nothing people who are afraid of silence right i i work i work with somebody that can't handle silence and it's like i wonder it's like what what really is going on inside your head yeah, Where, and there's somebody like, that sleep with the television on. You know, it's like, I, I mean, I'll fall asleep. I love it. I fall asleep sometimes, you know, to music and stuff because it, it stimulates my mind. You know, it helps me feel kind of comfortable and relaxed. And because um, it, it influences my dreams or the thoughts that I have throughout the night or whatever it is. And, but I can easily fall asleep in the silence. You know, I don't need mm-hmm. noise, but sometimes I feel like I need the noise or I feel like I need something specific. But having that, that nothing or having that kind of understanding of who you are inside of the nothing is, is a massive tool in kind of everything that we've, we've touched on. Um, I restrained myself from making a massive tool joke right there. Just just to clarify. Massive tools. <laughs> Huge ones. Donald Trump is a massive tool. <laughs> that was too easy. It, it was too count. easy. He's like, count. he's like the people that, that ask the jocks that pick on fat kids. He's like the fat kid of easy jokes. All right. All right. Um, so one of the things, too, about this ownership and responsibility all these words are just so scary they're so terrifying to people but the thing when one of the most dangerous places as a especially now as a content creator when everything we put out in some way ends up on the internet it's really difficult when you start looking for permission because of numbers Mm -hmm. Um, for example this podcast i could easily make judgments which I can't clarify if they're valid judgments. They're just judgments based on the numbers of the downloads. Mm-hmm. Like, mm, we talked about this in that episode and there were less downloads. We should not talk about that anymore. Yeah. And, right. and there's nothing wrong with doing that every once in a while. Like for example, um, I did that with lamb. I said, you know, what? let's not talk about politics anymore. I don't think people liked it, but it wasn't because other people didn't like it. It's because I didn't think other people liked it and I didn't like it. Yeah, no, it, you always have to keep in the factor of what it is that I like. Because this right. is me. I'm doing this. Well, so, there's, yeah. There's a Vonnegut quote, which I will paraphrase now, where he, someone asked him why he never put sex in his books. 
And he said, because <laughs> once you introduce sex, nobody wants to hear about scuba diving or the history of, <laughs> of rock climbing. <laughs> you know, like that's, it takes over the whole thing. The book becomes yeah. about sex once you introduce yeah. sex. Yeah. And I feel like uh, that's politics. You know, like once you introduce politics, that is, you know, if people are going to tune in to hear about politics, they want to go to a show that tells them it's about politics. Yeah. They don't want to show up to a show that's not about politics as far as they know and yeah. get it. Right. And, I, and and I didn't realize that until we had gone there. And it was, I don't defame, you know, the time that we went there because I think some good thoughts came out of there and it let oh, us shit, I gotta drink again. So. But it was also something that I had to look at and go, how do I feel about this? Do I want to have this discussion? Do I want to go here? No, I don't. And I had to take ownership of that and say, that's how I feel. Yeah. So I made and I made a decision. I, you know, like Lamb and I didn't talk about it before. I just Lamb, Lamb, we're not going to talk about politics anymore. And that's it. And then it's done. Why? Because I, okay, if this is my podcast, then I'm going to make a decision. Instead of like, well, let's have a vote. What yeah. is that? What do we... Does it really matter yeah. to anybody but me? Probably not. So then, therefore, I should just make the decision. And I think that's a very important thing to remember, too, is wondering or asking yourself, does it really matter to other people? And if it doesn't, then and it only matters to you, then just make the fucking decision. Yeah. Don't sit around fucking wasting time. And it's so easy to do these things. I think that it's so... When we... When we like we'll go like your your fear of your first post on Patreon. Mm-hmm. In some way, that's push pushing off ownership in some way. Yeah, because you're not sure what people are going to want, or you know, like I'm I'm not positive what your reasoning is exactly. Yeah, but at a certain point, you're just going to cut and fish bait, you know, or cut or fish bait. You're going to go, okay, either I'm going to do this or I'm not. Right, because time makes that happen. Yeah, but we can. We can do this very easily. I know that for years, this is one of the reasons I am so manically, I don't want to say productive. I'm not really that productive. Well, I guess I am theoretically. Manically putting out things, you know, working on projects and having ideas and going through and working ideas and then mm-hmm. dropping one and jumping to another is because I'm making up in my mind, I'm making up for years why I didn't do shit. Yeah. Where I said, oh, I'm going to write that book. And it didn't write a fucking word. Well, you're not going to write a book by imagining you're writing the book. Yeah. And so I think that there's some some drive there. But I think it probably, now that I say it, and that's probably even that manicness is a way to avoid responsibility as well. Because, you know, it's like scattershot. Mm-hmm. You have to focus on some things. And. I'm really, really, really into this idea. I talked about this on a Patreon episode this week. I'm really into the idea right now of juggling. Um, Not actual juggling. I would love to be into that, actually. I just don't know if I have the coordination for it. But juggling projects. Lamb and I had talked about it, I think, if I remember, episode 42, which is an artist profile of the Coen brothers. And one of the things the Coen brothers do is they have... It's either notebooks or binders for movie ideas. And uh, we'll say they have, they had the big Lebowski next to uh, 
what's another good one from them? Uh, Blood Simple. And then Blood Simple next to uh, Hail Caesar. Okay, that's probably not a good example because two of those are kind of the same kind of movie. They're both comedies, but one's about Hollywood and one is about uh, a stoner, essentially. (laughs) A stoner detective. It's a noir film. So it's like a a spinoff of the noir. So I guess maybe they're not that same. But instead of just like, we're going to work on Big Lebowski until it's done. What they would do is they'd have them on the shelf and they'd be like, oh my God, I have a really good idea for Big Lebowski. And they'd pull it down and they'd work on the Big Lebowski. And they'd mine that idea and they'd mine that interest in that project mm. until it started to dry up. And they go, okay. And they put it back on the shelf. And then they just go back to whatever, you know, like probably input phase where they're watching stuff and listening to stuff. They go, oh, we got an idea for Hail Caesar. Boom, take down Hail Caesar. And I really like that idea. Of, of projects. Um, I think that's a really great way to do things. But what I've also stumbled onto myself, which I haven't heard anybody talk about before, and I'm kind of, I'm kind of nipping the balls off of my, <laughs> my Patreon episode by sharing all of it right here. But I'm, I'm sure I explained <laughs> it a different way there that makes it still worth listening to. Yeah. But it's the idea of short versus long and using them together. A short project versus a long-term project. Novel, podcast podcast is short term yeah i record it like this one we're recording it on a monday i'll edit on a tuesday it's out on wednesday three day turnaround done out novel years 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 so what i can use is i can use those short term projects like the podcast as a way to keep my creative momentum going mm-hmm. whereas if all i focused on was a novel i might finish the novel earlier but I also have a higher chance of never finishing the novel. Yeah. Because I'll lose momentum completely is a possibility. So like those two things, like juggling those and then using short and long term simultaneously to keep the gears turning. And then I don't remember how I related this all to it might just be a tangent. <laughs> I don't know if it relates to the main topic. Probably is. Yeah, it probably doesn't. Yeah, right. Or that oh I do have one other thing I want to throw in here too. Uh Gary Vaynerchuk, who sometimes drives me nuts and sometimes I really appreciate, mm-hmm. has a line in one of his books about taking responsibility. And he says uh it, it's actually about taking blame. In the workplace, he likes taking the blame for everything. And he says, I like taking the blame for everything because instead of it being some long fucking conversation trying to figure out who was the blame. I can just take responsibility. It's over with and we can go back to work. And I think that is a great example of ownership because he's not playing into any of that drama. He's just going fine. If it's my, I'll just say it's my fault, whatever. I'm not going to avoid the work. I can't wait to do the work. I want to be that guy because I do go through phases of motivation, but I want to be the, I can't wait to do the work. Well, that's kind of, I feel like, being the deciding factor on if you are the you know if you're the go-getter you're the leader you're the you're the bulldozer pushing through or you're just okay everyone else has done everything for me and everything's now set up and i'm comfortable and it's easy and i don't have to be you know a risk taker i don't have to worry about the fear of um of failing i can just be um Everything's safe and everything's organized and everything's already kind of done for me. 
So I feel like kind of that's where that's kind of yeah. Yeah, there's also this. Um, there's this trend, maybe because of online, it probably existed before that, but maybe it's become worse, where people they try to use people, um, try to use their followers as a motivation factor. Like, I'm going to write a novel. And to make sure that I write it, I'm going to tell everybody I'm going to do it. I think that's a stupid fucking idea. Because sometimes, most of the time, you need to work on something before you decide whether it has legs. And you don't want to tell people you're going to do something. And these are mistakes that I've made in the past. That's part of the reason I say this. You don't want to tell people you're going to do something and then find out that you know you can't do it, you don't want to do it anymore, which is the worst, or something worse that you know you suck at it. <laughs> so I, I think that it's a, it's a careful. I, I think that what people are doing there, they're saying that they're motivating, but what they're really doing is they're trying to be motivation vampires. They're like, I'm going to say I'm going to do this, and when everybody tells me it's such a great idea and they're so proud of me. I'm going to suck all that fucking energy from them. And I don't think that that's a fair thing to do. You have to motivate yourself. And that's the ownership thing because you're pushing it off on other people. Like you guys make me want to do this. You convince me to write a novel. Who the fuck is going to do that? Would you do that? No. <laughs> it's, it's dangerous. It really is. I, I mean, I, a lot of these things I'm not falling prey to currently, but some of them are. That's why this was on my mind, or at least I have the tendencies sometimes. Where I go, oh, why am I? There's like simple things. I can't remember what what started this whole thing, but there was one simple. Oh, I know what it was. I was going to change something. This was last week, like before Lamb and I had our episode, and I said I wasn't going to change anything for a week. But before then, I changed the description of the Instagram. Just slightly. Um, I shortened it, used some emojis to shorten things. And then I added something that we'll talk about closer to the end of the episode. But I had this moment where I was like, okay, well, I'll see what the guys think. And I'm like, wait a minute. They don't give a shit what the fucking description of the Instagram is. We have like 14 followers. They don't care. (laughs) I'm just going to fucking change it. And then I changed it. And then that moment where I was like, Oh my God, how many things am I not doing? Because I think somebody else has to tell me it's okay. But I think we all fall prey to that. Oh yeah. And because we want to. And I don't even think it has to be necessarily only those in creative positions. No. No. That's like I said at the beginning, it applies to all of life, I think. Yeah. Oh, life is tough, man. Life is tough. But you know what? Life is tough when you act like a bitch. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, wow. <laughs> Getting provocative. I'm kidding. Mm. Kind of. Mm, there's my mm. I said I was going to do more moans in episodes. I've heard people like that. That's what the polls said. People like the moaning? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, sex sells. Okay, I said I was going to talk about something later. So I'll just talk about it now, and then we can get into our our questions. 
So one of the things that I did was I said in the Instagram, if you have questions for the show, DM us. If you have a question that you want us to talk about in an episode or you want us to consider talking about in an episode, send us a DM on Instagram. We're opening up the day, the gates. For a long time, there's been no way to contact us. <laughs> and this is not a way to tell us what you think of the show. It's just a way to ask us for questions. Be a, be a contributor. So much more valuable. You know, maybe you have a question about Tom and his guitar playing. I don't know. Perhaps. Who knows? It doesn't have to be personal questions. In fact, Never know I, until you ask. I would prefer if they're not personal questions because I will not be answering any personal questions. <laughs> but if they're, you know, like it could be like one of these bigger topics like we talk about, you might have a really good topic. That would be cool. But I mean, just like simple questions, you know, like, hey, you talked about this before. Well, what about this? You know, like, oh, you, you talked about this app. Do you still use this app? Or... You talked about, um, Tom talked about this guitar. Is that his favorite guitar? Because I have this one. You know, like mm. little things like that that we can just mix into these closers. Um, if we can go bigger, we'll go bigger. But just, uh, you, it's open. I'm not expecting you guys to rush there like it's Black Friday. <laughs> but uh, it's there. And Mr. Tom... Do you have a question? You know, I've been thinking. I have a, for the. I've been doing the same thing where I'm like, "Fuck, what, what question am I going to pull?" Because what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to now go back to like what we talked about. You know, like I'm trying to think of a mm-hmm. question that would be, you know, conducive to a you know one or two sentence answer. I um, do think that we can we can safely say we don't have to force it. If we don't have questions, then we can just not have questions once. Right. I definitely don't want to force us and ask, make us ask dumb questions we don't care about. Obviously. Well, the only thing I can think of is a topic that I've been, that is, it comes up for me in my daily life on, I'm talking almost every single day. I, and I've been wanting to bring it up. So I feel like asking you your like feeling or standpoint or you know position on on it and how it affects you or how you feel about it would help integrate it into because I've yet to you know see the open because the way you know my mind works is like I can't just like we've talked about the linear thing with you know, if conversations are just kind of sporadic and all over the place, I struggle at times. Um, and if we're talking about like, you know, all of what we've talked about today and I just randomly bring in something that has absolutely nothing to do in any way, shape or form, can't even be slightly tied in through like 18,000 degrees of separation, then I'm not going to do it because it's like, this makes no sense. <laughs> so I question to you, be how do you feel about loud eaters? Mm, that's a really good topic. Tune in next week for the answer to that one. It's so hard not to answer <laughs> these right away, isn't it? Yeah, I know. But that's the fun part. It's kind of like uh, 
we're used to being able to binge a TV show. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's really nice to only allow yourself to watch one episode of it. Yeah. A week. And just really fucking stretch it out. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's how, that's how they were designed. That's what they were intended for. Exactly. My question to you is, this is a really weird one. I don't know why this popped in my head, so I'm going to go with it. Fantastic. Would you mm-hmm. be in a big band, like a big as in, not as in like swing music. A I was going to say band, like the Cherry Poppin' Daddies. <laughs> big band as in famous. Right. Would you bother to be in the band if you were only allowed to play the triangle or dance like that dude from Mighty Mighty Boston? like that was your job and you didn't even get paid very well. Would you still do it? Like basically all you'd be getting out of it is people would see your face every once in a while on television mm-hmm. or the internet. Mm-hmm. So would you still do that? I'm going to I'll put it shorter. Like no, I get you. Be yeah. a useless member of a band. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> member of a big band. I'll say famous band. Don't know why. And I don't know where that came from. And yes, it does not relate to anything in the episode. Doesn't have to. But it was so weird that I had to ask it. I'm like, yeah, there you go. Now I, now I need to know the fucking answer. <laughs> okay, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Everyone and others. Uh, you can follow me on Patreon by going to patreon.com forward slash Holy Fool Productions. And uh, I'm gonna, you know, I've, I've been wanting to try to wrap my head around how to do this. I use the phrase wrap my head around way too much. But I have a lot of knowledge on writing and good writing and bad writing and from decades and decades of doing it. Yes. I haven't put on a novel, but I have written a lot and I know how to, how to construct things and I know what's good and what's bad. I'm not the ultimate expert, but I have a lot of knowledge and expertise that I have really no place to share. So I'm going to try to do some more of that on the Patreon. One of the ways I would love to be able to do that is, I might add, right now, all of my tiers get the same thing. I might add a feature to the upper ends of my tiers for the higher contributors. Maybe just, it might just be the levels above $1. Where if you have a paragraph or a couple paragraphs of something you're working on that you're having trouble with, you could ask me for advice, writing advice. I don't know if people are interested in that. I just, I like to teach. And I have these skills in these things. So I'm looking for ways to do that with my Patreon. I'm also going to lay into probably some of that into Pants in the Chair episodes. I'm not going to keep Pants in the Chair just about writing a novel. I'm going to make those episodes about writing in general. And then I may even get to a point where I write some articles on this stuff if it seems conducive to writing as opposed to talking. So anyways, I just wanted to share that. This week I put out an episode of that I pretty much gutted in this episode called juggling (laughs) for some reason i put it out as a what i want to talk about episode it's probably more of a pants in the chair episode doesn't really matter it's all one feed if you're a patreon supporter anyways and i think this week i will start a deboxing episode where i take an item out of a box and i tell the story behind it and take a picture of it and then i give it away so Tom, where can they find you on the Patreon? Patreon is patreon.com forward slash Tom Woodrum. That's wood like the tree and rum like the alcohol. 
I don't have anything long and detailed to describe about Patreon as Chad does today. So if you want to see my uh, updated nonsense, Instagram is sir.beardo. That is at symbol. S-I-R, the punctuation period dot B-E-A-R-D-O. Or you can just go to random badassery and go into one of the two people it follows. Yes. Or Find you me. can go to the whole, the new landing page, holyfolkproductions.com yes. forward slash RB. And there's a whole bunch of buttons there. Buttons to all of our Instagrams, buttons to, I'm oh, sorry. Well, I guess technically it's all our Instagrams. There's a button for the Instagram of the show, button mm-hmm. for Lamb's Instagram, button mm-hmm. for Tom's Instagram, button for my mailing, because I don't have a personal Instagram, my mailing newsletter. I mean, uh, there's buttons for all three of our Patreons. There's buttons for recent episodes, buttons for guests. There's lots of buttons, but they're all in one tight little compact package. So you don't have to waste a lot of time trying to get the shit you want. And you can also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts by using that link, and it'll take right to the review page. Save you a couple clicks. Please take the time to do that. We need them. I've heard, I don't know if this is true, I've heard something magical happens in the interface for us if we get over 100 reviews. Mm-hmm. So let's get there. I think we're let's at 38. See. Let's find out. Let's 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 get there. And if you guys would like to follow Lamb on Patreon, I believe he's going to start working on his soon too. Patreon.com forward slash the vacant room on Instagram. He is at the vacant room. And of course, you can follow at random badassery. As Tom said, it is the show Instagram visual aids, recommendations, nonsense, possible topics. And it's a place where you can DM us questions for the show. And we have a Twitter. <laughs> oh Twitter. The place between the twat and the shitter. The Twitter. And I think that might be all that we have to give today. Uh, I think it is. I peed on my computer. Uh, bring it around to the beginning. Bye bye, babies. Adios. Oh, <laughs>